You're listening to the Straight to Video Podcast with Rob Lane. Welcome along to a brand new episode of my show, Straight to Video. Today, I get to welcome musician, producer, songwriter, and killer guitarist Mike Krompus along for a quick chat all about his early career and new band Dead Romantic, who are all set to launch themselves on the UK music scene. They have a brand new single called All Talk out now, which I was instantly hooked when I heard it, with elements of 30 Seconds to Mars and the more melodic edge of Bring Me the Horizon. There's certainly some big 80s hard rock influences in this track too, which Mike is obviously a huge fan of and we chat a little about this during our talk. Mike Crumpus has been on an incredible journey. I chat to him from his new studio in Yorkshire, but Mike's story itself begins in Toronto, Canada, where he was born and raised, falling in love with music from a really young age, and once he could, would move to Los Angeles to chase his dreams of performing, but also working behind the scenes for bands too. His career so far has seen him work with the likes of Nelly Furtado, Smash Mouth and Steven Tyler to name just a few and his journey has seen him relocate to Nashville before more recently finding himself here in the UK and launching the band Dead Romantic. Now before I chat I hope you will check out our friends Dead Skull Coffee who are making waves in supplying the rock and roll scene with some fine ground and full bean coffee. As listeners to this show you can grab a massive 15% off any order placed through their website. Simply head on over to deadskullcoffee.co.uk and add the promo code STV on checkout to bag that discount. After our chat, you can check out Mike's amazing discography and career at MikeCrompus.com and you can listen to Dead Romantic and their new single All Talk over at DeadRomantic.com. But for now, please enjoy my straight-to-video chat with guitarist, songwriter and record producer Mike Crumpus. To death of words that fall from lying lips. I'm the guy who is lies to lay your body down. I'll show you what I've got. I'm not all talk. I'll be what you've been missing. Just words. I'll be a full collision. Give me half a chance and I'll prove to you I'm not all talk. All talk. How's it going, Mike? Good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Thank you ever so much for doing this for us. Thanks, man, for having me on. You're in Yorkshire, right? We are, yeah. Yeah, I'm just down the road. I'm in between Nottingham and Derby, so not too far from you. Well, you should come by the studio sometime. Yeah, it looks amazing, man. It looks amazing. How long have you been set up there? I think it's about four months we've been in the studio. You've been on like an incredibly varied journey through the music industry, not just the people and bands you've worked with, but globally as well, being in different places, originally from Toronto, Canada, then moving to California and then Nashville before residing here in the UK. I'd love to trace that a little in the time we have, but I know there's a lot of stuff. You grew up in Toronto, but your links to England go right back, though, through your mum being from Manchester. Did she ever share any stories or memories with you to spark an interest in the UK? My mum left really young, but she ended up coming back in her teens or early 20s. I think she always wanted to live here and just didn't want to let her parents down because they had migrated from here to start this new life in North America. And why would you want to go to England? Because in their head, it's still wartime and it's shit here. So she never ended up moving moving here. So I did it for her. Did she share any stories of her time over here? Nothing really exciting. 
some concerts she went to like deep purple and things like that when she was younger, but no, like super cool stories about anything that happened here. My grandparents shared war stories about being bombed and hiding in shelters and things like that. What about for you, like UK bands in particular, was there any that had a certain magic for you growing up, which perhaps sparked an interest? I'd be lying if I didn't say the Beatles and, you know, bands like the who and pretty much every cool rock band ever in the history of time has come from this part of the world. So the British invasion was a big influence definitely on my on my playing. What about the stuff in like the 90s or the Britpop stuff? Did that get on your radar much? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like the oasis of the world. And yeah, of course. And the thing that even more than music stuff is just like the historic factor. Like well, I'd come over here young and see the Tower of London and things like that. That stuff really excited me. So castles and that kind of history. The music history was, you know, see visiting Abbey Road and things like that were amazing to me. And still, I mean, I went there a couple of years ago and it still blows my mind at the energy in there and just the iconic records that have been produced there. Music really took hold for you at super young. Was it like four years old where you found your first guitar? Not went go out and buy your first guitar, but actually finding your first guitar. Yeah, I found it in the, the garbage of my neighbor's and I came home and didn't even know what I was doing. But apparently I made up these little concert tickets with 25 cents and around and sold all the neighbors to come and see me play that I really couldn't play at all. Where did that come from? Like the knowledge of concerts and stuff? Was it like, was you seeing bands on TV, like MTV and stuff like that? I'm sure I was. I really can't remember some of that stuff. But, you know, Michael Jackson was a massive influence of me really young or influence of mine really young and uh i just remember saying i want to do that i want to be rock star one day and then i got into hair metal and all those cool things all the best stuff what was your introduction to that anything goes on this show i mean i loved everything i love skip bro i loved white snake i love rat van halen all the things you have in your background there all of that stuff was influential to me mr big paul gilbert's playing canadian band called harem scarum pete lesperance is one of my favorite guitar players even obscure stuff like I think anything winger all of that stuff I really loved just such great playing on all that stuff and if you're getting heavy into guitar that's the stuff that's going to blow your mind even Canada itself it's got such a rich wealth of great rock talent some of which broke out worldwide but also a lot of it remained quite contained there yeah I think it was hard for a lot of Canadian rock bands to break into other countries and back then it was you know you didn't have Spotify and all those things that you could be heard around the world so you'd have to get like territorial record deals or a global record deal and hope that the record company would push you in the other country so many bands that were you know they leave Toronto and sign the big LA record deal Capital Records and and nobody would hear of them except Canada and Japan maybe was Honeymoon Sweet, one of your favorite bands, and you eventually got to work with them later on. They're a big influence on me, and then uh, became friends with them and ended up filling in, playing guitar for some shows and producing their new record and writing their songs. And- Proper full circle moment right there. So you found that first guitar when you was four, but did you actually dive into learning the guitar around that time or was it something you came back to later on? No, I think I did start learning it. And then probably somewhere around eight, I got my first electric. You know, they saw me with this horrendous guitar that probably had a couple strings on it pretending to play and and i just wouldn't give it up so my mom was like yeah he's not going to stop so my uncle gave me my first proper acoustic guitar 
So when they saw that I wasn't, I wasn't going to stop, my mom then bought me my first electric guitar. The rest is all downhill from there. Because I think you were like big on all the guitar instructional videos, right? Oh yeah, big time. You learned so much stuff from those back in the day that you'd watch them over and over again. They're great. Yeah, I used to, I remember like before, early in high school, before even going to school, I would have my TV set, like video on first thing in the morning so I could practice before I had to run off to school. And then as soon as I got home from school, back to practicing. Where did you used to get them from? Did you used to have to order them or did you have like a music store that sold them you have to buy their music stores and it did have some guitar magazine subscription for sure remember when they used to have the, the vinyl in them like i think it was like guthrie govin that actually taught the lessons it would be like here's a bon jovi guitar solo lesson from guthrie govin and i'd put those things on or like paul gilbert would have like here's his you know, instrumental play along song and the jam tracks and shit like that guitar for the practicing musician the cover would always fall off the damn thing you mentioned him earlier, but when was it you saw Michael Jackson live? Because I think that was a big deal for you, not just being a huge Michael Jackson fan, but also seeing Jennifer Batten as well, right? Would have been, I think it was 1985, Victory Tour. I was on my mom's shoulders. Was that your first live concert? Possibly. Yeah, I think it might have been. Game changer. Yeah. At first, I didn't actually believe it was Michael Jackson because it sounded different than the recording. And, you know, being so young, I didn't understand. So I'd be like, Mom, I don't know. It's an imposter. This is not the real deal. It sounds different. I love it. I love it. What was it about Jennifer Batten? Was that like your first seeing like a guitar hero on stage? I think it was like the fluorescent guitar and the big hair and just like the massive sound when I was that small. I'd never experienced anything like that. So it's like, holy crap, that's cool. It wasn't anything like the shows now, but it just seemed so massive to me. And what were your first steps into forming a band? What was like the musical climate, if you like? How old was you at the time? When I first started playing with bands, oh, I was younger than eight. I'm sure it was just horrendous. I think I had one band that we called like Ghost Tigers. And it was like my friends from around the corner, we'd get together. And I was a singer and sounded just dreadful. I know I did, but just kept going. Did you find yourself being into learning music so young? Did you find yourself playing with a lot of older musicians? Yeah, all the time. I'd be getting the X on my hand and playing in the bars and play with all the older cover bands. And maybe because there was a shortage of guitar players or something in the town I was in. But yeah, lucky enough, they would take me seriously and I get to play with a lot of older people that, of course, influenced my playing and helped me turn into more well-versed and well-rounded player. From like production side of things, has that always interested you? Yeah, always. I'm sure all musicians kind of feel the same way, but when you hear like drum sounds in studio, it's kind of exciting, but I wanted to be more involved and figure out how do you do that? Like what makes that drum sound the way it does? Like getting to tuning things and playing other instruments and, you know, nothing's like playing live, but it's still that end of it definitely excites me still. You obviously got a lot of guitar heroes. What about production heroes? Anybody who you really studied or I want to figure out how he created that sound? Or is there anybody in particular that jumps to mind? I mean, Mutt Lang for sure. I think any rock producer around my age is probably somewhat influenced by his production techniques. And even people in the, in the new generations probably don't know that a lot of things are coming from that. You know, the Beatles productions too. I mean, that was kind of the trend setting for the way rock is produced these days. So, I mean, there's so many influences in that world. Modern productions like Greg Wells in pop is fantastic. Chris Lord Algae as a mixer and Tom's brother, those people. Zach Cervini is a new young guy that we, he actually mixed one of our songs. He's a fantastic mixer. I still listen to guys go, wow, it's a great mix. It sounds amazing. Like, I love his approach to things. How much has Butch Walker landed on your radar? Yeah, he's fantastic. Because he's kind of come from that same thing, the whole, if you want to call it, like the LA hair metal stuff. And he was managed to bridge that gap and reinvent his sound 
sound to a more modern thing with modern bands. So yeah, he's he's really forged a great path. Seeing him live, I don't know if you've seen him live, but it's fantastic. I met the guys in Train when I was on tour in the UK and they ended up living in Nashville and we connected, but he was producing their record when I was here with them. So they, they had tons of stories about how amazing it was in the studio. I've heard nothing but good things about people working with him as a producer. Like, the guy's a genius. <laughs> Where did you see your future after school? Was it to be up on stage or behind a mixing desk? Probably to be on stage, not behind a mixing desk. I think that's something that just kind of happened along the way. Or both. I mean, anything to do with music, I just wanted to do. Was it in 2002 you moved from Toronto to Los Angeles? Yeah, you probably know better than I can remember. How was it arriving there? Did you have any, like, contacts? I had a few, but want to do the typical thing that most people do is call anyone that's had success when they move from one country to another and like, hey, can I crash up on your couch? Can you send me some work? Those kind of things. I had a really good friend that I ended up working with years later from Toronto named Matthew Gerard, who was quite a successful producer. And he came from the hair metal days. He had a band called Von Group that was, they were signed to Capitol in LA back in you know, the hair days, but he went on to write songs for artists like Kelly Clarkson and win Emmy Awards and all that stuff. But I never really bugged him to, hey, can you get me work? He's very successful. And one day we started writing songs and doing some things together. I produced a bunch of Disney records with him and some idle stuff. But yeah, I kind of just wanted to do it on my own. Did it take long to establish yourself there? Or was the times where you think, shit, I might have made a mistake. I might have to move back. Or was it just focus, focus all the time? When I first moved there, at the time I ended up moving, my stuff showed up broken. My computer showed up. My studio stuff showed up broken. I made the drive with Randy Cook, who's a really successful drummer now, plays with everybody. Ringo's all-star band, dude from the Rhythmics, like he's playing with everybody. But he did the drive and we did it in Cooper. Anyway, long story short, I got to L.A. My stuff that shipped was all broken. By the time I got my apartment and fixed my stuff, I had about $300 left going, what am I going to do now? Like, how am I going to even get by? And I got a production gig that week that was pretty substantial, so... After that, I was just like, I'm just going to make it happen. I could be dead broke, but I'm not going back. How was you at balancing things between production, engineering, and also touring? Do you just have to get good at organizing your diary? Yeah, and I was multitasking a lot. So even when I was touring, we'd pull in on a tour bus and I would set up in the dressing room or in a hotel room and have my studio there. So whenever I wasn't doing something else, I'd be mixing or on days off going somewhere to do a vocal or flying someone in or flying out to somewhere, just trying to arrange things the best that I could. What was your first big touring opportunity? Do you remember? I mean, the biggest one early on when I was in my early 20s was Nelly Furtado. I had toured with a lot of bands across Canada and US tours and those kind of things. But she was the first like big recording act that I had played with. And it was cool because we went from playing the Phoenix, which is a venue in Toronto, maybe 2000 cap venue to a week later, Grammy Awards and we're touring with U2 and Destiny's Child and playing stadiums or big, massive venues. It was super fast. What led you to move to Nashville? Had you seen changes in California and more opportunities were presenting themselves elsewhere? I think I just wanted to broaden my you know spectrum of writing and who I wanted to write with and kind of music I wanted to write because I've kind of stuck in a little pop rut for a while. And rock wasn't the thing for a while. Early 2000s, rock was kind of phasing out for a bit. And I was getting a lot of pop cuts. So I'm like, okay, country's taking off. So I went on a writing trip and made some really great friends and relationships and worked with some great guys. Maybe I'll try this out. And then I went back and forth for 
a few years. Did it change your headspace there creatively to how it was in LA? Yeah, it changes you. It's another one of those things that opens your mind to more different genres and different ways of writing. A lot of people would do track-based things in LA. And back then, Nashville was still organic. So that was exciting to me. Now it's the opposite. Now Nashville is very track-based and they just put acoustic guitar and organic instruments on top of it. And it's almost become the new pop. But it was exciting because you can get in a room and create kind of the old way, which I thought was cool. And amazing friends and collaborations and guys that I still write with to this day that I love. Did you perform much down there? Because, I mean, there's so many opportunities, all the venues and... Like none. No. We'd go have a couple drinks and sit in at a jam night with some friends and things like that. But the only time I ever really, really played gigs in Nashville was if I was on a tour that came to Nashville. Kind of didn't get into that Nashville playing around scene. Maybe a couple showcase shows I played, but they were one-off things. And how did you come to work alongside Billy Sheehan in your band The Fell? Because I think, isn't Lean Into It by Mr. Big one of your all-time favourite albums? Definitely is. I wrote him. I wrote him on Facebook, kind of getting bored doing the pop thing and just producing for everyone else and thought, I want to do something just kind of guitar-y. And so I just wrote him a message saying, hey, it's Mike, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to get together? Maybe I'll hire you to play on some stuff. And when he came out, he's like, what are you doing with this? Let's start a band. We started the project and it fizzled out over the years, but I think we've decided we're just going to release a record anyway. So we've done all this work, so we're going to put the record out. And I don't want to promise anything to anybody, but I think the goal is to get it out there and just let it do its thing and see what happens. How is it to record him in the studio? Does he constantly amaze you with his creativity? Yeah, sometimes he's just like, my 13-year-old self would be shitting my pants right now. It's cool. I mean, it's just cool. You kind of forget about that stuff, though, when you're recording. It's just like I got clean baits. But when you step back and, you know, that's Billy Sheehan. He's plays with Steve Vai and guys like that that I worshipped as a kid. Does he sound the same no matter what amp you put him through? I feel it would be that way. Plug him in direct, he sounds exactly the same. Even with no pedals or compression distortion, it still sounds like his sound. I knew it would be that way. That's great. When did you make that move over to the UK? Was it something that uh, made you pull the trigger and relocate again? Always wanted to be here. It was always like one of the things that I will get around and move to the UK, even from being really little. Came on a trip here, just made the decision that's just going to do it. Thanks to my mom, I have citizenship. So I just applied for the citizenship and made the move. Yes, naturally gravitated towards this area, but my family history is all Yorkshire and Lancashire. And how long have you been over here for now? Almost three years now. I guess with all the pandemic and stuff, how much of like the live scene have you been able to see or go to gigs and things like that prior to everything closing down? Pretty much I moved here and several months later I was locked down. So our tour got cancelled, the shows got cancelled, festivals got cancelled, things I wanted to go see couldn't happen. It put a pause on my record label and developing things. And the flip side of that is that the band came out of that. That's the positive. Was Dan and I got together and started writing songs and then the band formed. We're speaking now about the new band, Dead Romantic. How did you and the singer Dan Taylor get together? Facebook again. <laughs> Someone had posted something of him singing a Zeppelin cover or something. It just looked like a badass fun person. And I was looking for a guy to do the project with. Sent him a message, and I think he thought I was some psychopath. Catfishing him or something? No, but we got together, wrote some songs. The first ones were like, eh, and then we just kept doing it and kind of stumbled on something that is the band. Because the new single, All Talk, is awesome. Really great sound, massive hook to it, man. I was like, put it on, I was like, holy shit, this is great. This is like right up my street. Still melodic, but just such a great modern sound to it as well. There's still a little bit of cock rock in there and the solo, I had to sneak it in, but it's got a heaviness and a, and a pop sensibility. 
responsibility, I think. Is it intimidating starting a brand new band after such a long career or do you just see it as a great new challenge? As long as you're being creative, then you're happy. I go through things just like, oh man, I used to play arenas and it's like starting over, but it's exciting because I know what it could be and the potential it has. And I'm not going to say if, but when we make it successful, we're going to be doing all those same things again. And I look forward to doing it for our own project rather than me doing it as a session musician for another band. What's the plan now? Things are kind of slowly opening up again. Are gigs being rescheduled and stuff like that? Or is it finishing the album off? Goal now is to just really get on the agents and get out there and start playing. Can't wait. Kind of in closing, from working in so many areas of the industry, is there anything you'd still like to accomplish or anyone you'd like to work with, either recording, songwriting or performing live? Anyone that comes to mind? That list is kind of endless. There's so many great bands that I would love to produce and work with and collaborate with our band on. We'll see. There's a huge wish list, tons of different bands in different genres. But yeah, well, now that we've built the studio, we should have some of those acts in here. Our friend Lee Malia from Bring Me the Horizon just moved into one of the rooms here. So shares the studio with us. So hopefully we'll be collaborating on some stuff in the future. And so, yeah, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do some things together and never know. Whoever walks through the door, I'm excited about it. Sweet, man. Well, I wish you best of luck. Hopefully our paths will cross a gig or something like that in the future. But yeah, new single sounds great. So I look forward to hearing the new album when it's ready. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks to Mike Crompers for taking time out of his busy schedule to dive back into the past a little and join me here on the Straight to Video podcast. If you want to learn more about his journey, then everything can be found at MikeCrompers.com. And for all the up-to-date info on Dead Romantic, then just head on over to DeadRomantic.com and you can find them all over social media. We are steadily working towards 200 episodes of this show, which will be upon us before you know... And I want to try and celebrate this milestone and would love to hear any ideas you'd like to see happen. Maybe any guests you'd like me to try and get on the show or perhaps someone you'd like me to check back in with who's been on the show before. Hit me up at stvpod.com where you can stream all previous episodes along with checking out some straight-to-video music videos and merchandise. That is all for this episode of the show. I want to thank you all for the continued love and support you show this podcast and I look forward to chatting again real soon. <laughs>